So in our last few, uh, in our last few weeks, we've been, uh, looking at some of Hope's dreams and the, and the talks. The second half have been, uh, around particular dreams of Hope. And this one isn't so much of a dream as a kind of value, I suppose. And so uh, Hugh and Susie are going to be speaking about, um, how do we live as a continually growing disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to, to grow in our, our spiritual life, uh, and our walk with God every day? So we're looking forward to gleaning some richness from you on this. Let's pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, we pray that you teach us. I was just thinking yesterday about how um, God's design is this, is this amazing thing of incarnation, where he doesn't just present an abstract theory that we kind of figure out from a distance and ascribe to or believe in. But his intention was that we learn through relationship and we learn through people. And the ultimate example of that is God not just staying up in heaven as a remote God, but coming and becoming a person, Jesus, who lived amongst us and showed us what God is like. And then he, Jesus said the same thing. He said, carry on doing the things that I've been doing. And then Paul writes in, the, in, the, in Corinthians, imitate me in the way that I imitate Jesus. And so one of the key ways that we learn to discover who God is and who we are in God is by copying or following the example of other people and uh, who are further along or, or in different stages from us. And Lord, we want to, to learn from Hugh and Susie today uh, how to follow Jesus. And we pray you grow us in that. Amen. Right. Um, morning, everyone. I'm... Susie, um, and I'm going to start this morning with a confession. Um, Andrew emailed me a couple of weeks ago to say, would I talk on living free? Would Hugh and I talk? Now, really, I should have been excited by this email. Like, we love living free. We've been helping on courses and really believe in it for about 18 years. And I do secretly really love um, preaching. But um, when I got the email, I did what you should never do, which is ignore it for at least a couple of days and not really look at it. And then I penned a response saying, oh, Andrew, I'm really sorry. I'm a bit tired. I'm too busy at the moment. Um, I've got a lot going on. I just don't feel it's the right time to give this talk. And the minute I pressed send, I just felt this like lurch in my stomach. I was like, Hmm, I meant to be, I've been invited to talk on living free, on overcoming our strongholds and our sin patterns. And here I am walking in the exact opposite of giving in to my own kind of weariness, tiredness, and not really wanting to be bothered. And I thought, mm, I don't think this is quite what God intended for me in this moment. So then I penned um, another email back and saying, oh, Andrew... <laughs> Actually, I think I probably should give this talk, and I'm really sorry for my initial um, response. So really, the whole of living free could be summarized in that story, because living free is about walking in who God's made us to be, in overcoming our sin patterns and strongholds, and kind of walking in the opposite spirit. And so really, I could um, just stop the talk here. I won't, but that is exactly what living a lifestyle of living free is about. It's not giving in to our sin responses, but walking into who God's made us and the design and plans he has for us. So... Um, Rather than finish after two minutes, I will give you a little bit more of what that looks like and what I think God's saying. 
So a quick summary of Living Free, if you're not familiar. It's a, it's a course we do as a church, but it's, it's not about the six-week course. It's about a lifestyle of just living our lives day to day fully for Jesus. So it's just a, um, it's not a sort of, yeah, it's not a six-week course. It's just this idea that how do we live our lives completely focused on Jesus every day. And there's a few sort of things, if you haven't heard of the course, that we talk about that we'll mention. And one is really about knowing who you are in Christ. And this we call original design. And it's just this idea that God has made us in his image. And if we know a bit more about how God has made us, it helps us um, walk into that purpose. So it helped me to remember my original design, how God's made me. Um, he likes how he wants to use me so that I cannot be overcome by my own stuff and choose um, to operate in it. And really then, the living free is about what stops us walking as God's made us to be and looking at sin patterns in our lives, which um, if I talk about, I'm going to call them strongholds. And that's just any sin pattern in our life that stops us operating as Jesus would like us to operate. So it's just about day to day, how do we live our life for Jesus? And today, I really felt that God wanted me to walk, to talk about what that means like about walking a lifestyle of vulnerability and weakness. So I'm not talking about self-pity. I'm not talking about walking in defeat. But what does it look like to walk actually as Christians in a place of vulnerability and weakness? And how do we live free in that? So I'm going to look at three passages that um, God put on my heart to just talk about how do we live free from a place of authenticity where we can connect with God and with others Now, so often as Christians, we want to project this perfect self, don't we? The happy home, the happy life, that family's going well, that we're doing lots of good deeds, and this sense that that's what the Christian walk is about. But actually, that can be, it can be true, but it can be a bit of a facade, can't it? It can be almost a bit scary to see all these perfect Christians doing their thing, and when we feel in ourselves that we're failing. So actually, I want to challenge us today just to really connect with each other and connect with God from a place of weakness, from honesty, and from vulnerability. And one of my favorite, um, sort of, she's an American psychologist and author, is Brené Brown. And I'm just going to give you a quote which sort of summarizes that. It says, because we can feel belonging only if we have the courage to share our most authentic selves with people, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our self self, uh, level of self-acceptance. So we can feel belonging only if we have the courage to share our most authentic selves with people. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our self, uh, sense of self-acceptance. So this idea that if we want to belong, if we want to connect, if we want to go deeper, we need to accept ourselves and be prepared to share our vulnerabilities And so today, um, yeah, I'm going to share just feeling vulnerable that I get um, angry with my kids, (laughs) that I fail every day, that sometimes I lack faith, that I'm not perfect. Um, uh, On the outside, you might see a mom, doctor, got the kids, married. But actually, every day is a challenge, isn't it? Every day um, I sin, every day I fall short, um, every day I struggle. And that's the truth of who I am. But actually, I want to share that um, 
because I want to connect with you. I want you to know me. I don't want you just to see the outside. I want you to see the, the real me that isn't here to say life's perfect and everything's glossy, but actually that as we go deeper with each other, as we share our real selves, then we can really connect with each other. Then we can really belong. We can belong um, to this church. We can really have deeper friendships and we can go deeper with God. So the passage I want to really share with you on weakness is from Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7. To keep me from being unduly elated by the magnificence of such revelation, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, sent to buffer me. This was to save me from being unduly elated. Three times I begged the Lord to rid me of it. But this, but his answer was, my grace is all you need. Power is most fully seen in weakness. I am therefore happy to boast of my weakness, because then in the power of Christ will rest upon me. So I am content with a life of weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, and distress. All for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I just want to think, what does this mean? We've all probably heard this passage countless times um, and thought about what's Paul's thorn in the flesh and isn't it wonderful that he could overcome. But what does it mean for us in our lives in this moment, in the difficulties and in the pain and in the uncertainty that you're facing? Because each one of you will be facing many things. What does it mean to say that my grace is all you need, power is most fully seen in weakness. And what I love in Paul is his just absolute overcoming. There's no self-pity, there's no complaining. And he's able to do that because his focus is so on Jesus. And actually, I love the fact that I hadn't heard that song that Rob, the last song we sung today, that actually was singing that um, we'll be content. Jesus is all that we need. And Paul is saying he's content with insult, hardship, persecution, and distress. Not, but not because it's pointless, because it's all for Christ. And I'm really conscious I don't want to belittle suffering. I'm really conscious today of, um, yeah, the suffering that people in this church are going through. And we don't understand why and the depth of that. And we don't have any answers. But I just want us to know the truth is that when we are weak, then we are strong. Because that's the truth, that Jesus and his grace is is what we need and his power is seen in our weakness so when we look at our lives in the context of that truth does it help us look at things a little bit differently can we rely on his power and his strength to walk through really difficult times and when we think about this in the context of living three um the living free gives us four principles to kind of walk out as God's made us. They're called the four R's. And the first is about recognizing. And actually, again, in this passage, Paul just recognizes how his pride would hold him back. That this is a stronghold, a sin pattern that, that keeps him apart from God. And actually, when I looked, at, when I was thinking about this, the idea of being weak so God can use us, I thought, it's incredible, isn't it, that it's called a stronghold, a sin pattern in our life. And when we operate in that stronghold, we're not weak because we're kind of strong in that sin. And the more stronghold in us, almost the less that God can use us. So the more we're operating in our sin, the less we're weak in Christ. But as we overcome our stronghold through recognizing it and repenting it, we can become weak 
And then God can increase in us and we can walk as God's made us to be. So living free is just this lifestyle of recognizing what's holding us back, what's stopping Christ operating in us. Um, And how do we have his heavenly perspective that we're just focused on Jesus and we're looking at at things in a heavenly way and not in an earthly way where we're not afraid of being empty and weak and broken, because in that place, God can be strong. Just got a quick story. I've only once seen a really significant healing. I've only once seen a really amazing miracle, and it was probably at one of my lowest points. So I was in Uganda. I think I'm sure Joe um, was with me. We had spent a day um, teaching and preaching. We'd been out all day. We were really tired, really hungry, and we were on in a really crowded kind of little pickup truck home. And I think I was just so relieved. I was like, that was a great day, but wow, I just, I just, I'm all done now. Can't wait to get back um, to where we were staying. And then the sort of the minibus stopped and everyone starts talking in Ugandan and you don't quite know what's happening. You think, oh, what's going on? I just want to get home. And then they, it became apparent they wanted us to pray for someone and everything in me was like, oh no, you are joking me. I cannot pray for anyone else today. So we went into this little dark hut feeling pretty disheveled and, oh, I don't want to do this. And there was a woman kind of lying on the floor. And apparently she hadn't got up for three years. And everyone was just really desperate. She had lots of young children. And um, luckily there was a Ugandan pastor with us who had a little bit more oomph than I did at that point. But we prayed for this woman and she jumped out of bed. And the whole village was kind of singing and dancing and her children were weeping. There was no way that this wasn't happening because the emotion of that moment was, was so real. And we found out later that actually she'd been healed of HIV on that day and went on to live years and years later and was completely healed and restored. But it's incredible, isn't it, that God chose that moment when I didn't want to be there. I was not really um, having the faith to allow me to see the greatness of his power because it was in my weakness, in my moment of vulnerability, that he could be strong because there was no chance I could take any of that glory for myself. That was all God. Um, and actually, on a different day, when I'd been feeling a bit more G'd up, that pride might have seeped in. But he chose to show me the greatness of his power because I was in such a weak place. My grace is all you need. My power is fully seen in weakness. And then just moving on when we, to, to how we operate, how we walk out of our sin patterns, to think about repentance, which is the second R, when we think of a living free lifestyle. And really, living free, just um, it's about living a lifestyle of repentance because we know that our sin, our strongholds, block us um, from, from being with Jesus, don't they? And as we repent, as we come before Christ and sort of just recognize our sin, then he, he removes our sin, he forgives us, and we can walk with him. And the passage I felt that really um, helped show us who Jesus is and just remind us why and how we can repent is just from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. I'm just going to read it to you. So ours is not a high priest unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, only without sinning. Let us therefore boldly approach the throne of grace in order that we may receive mercy and find grace to give us timely help. 
So just to remind us that, you know, Jesus has, he's come to earth, he's been with us, he, he sympathizes with us in our, in our sin. He understands what we're going through. He understands our weakness. He understands our mistakes. And just to remind us that we can boldly approach his throne of grace to receive mercy and grace and to give us timely help. And just to remember that he's there waiting for us to come to him and give us timely help to receive his mercy, to receive his grace. And again, that's what living free isn't it? Is, isn't it? it? Leaving behind our sin so we can receive his mercy and his grace. So repentance just sets us free to, to be there with Jesus. And so, um, and finally, for me, living free is about the walking out in the opposite spirit. How do we walk out from our, from our, the things that hold us back into the fullness of what God has us, has for us? And in terms of the four R's, that, that would be we rebuke the stronghold that's holding us back and we replace it with something more godly. Um, we replace it with the opposite spirit. And, um, finally, when we think about how do we replace weakness, what does that look like in the scriptures? I'm going to read you my favorite passage, um, which is Isaiah 40, um, which actually is one that always spoke to me in Uganda in places of weakness. But I'm just going to read it over you and then just think about what it means to let God into our weak spots. So verse um, 28 of Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, the eternal God, creator of earth's furthest bounds, does not grow weary or grow faint. He underst- his understanding cannot be fathomed. He gives vigor to the weary, new strength to the exhausted. Young men may grow weary and faint. Even the fittest may stumble and fall. But those who hoped in the Lord will win new strength. They will soar as on eagles' wings. They will run and not feel faint, march on and not grow weary. And just to remind us that when we're in him, he does restore us. He brings hope. He sets us free. Um, and actually just thinking about the opposite spirit that we've seen in these passages, we look at how God turns our pride and he replaces it with his grace. He actually can take our moaning, our bitterness, our suffering, our complaining, and actually in him turn it into celebration. Paul can celebrate in those things because of who Christ is. He can take our self-sufficiency and he turns it into hope and trust in him. And actually in our weakness, he gives us new strength. And for me, that, that's just what living free is. It's taking our, our struggles, our sin patterns, um, all the difficulties that we're facing and choosing to face them in Christ. Walk, turn around, to take the opposite spirit, to, to be full of God's grace, to celebrate, to have hope and trust in him and to find new strength in him and to walk in that every day, not just to walk in it when you're on the course, but to choose that to, to be the benchmark for your life. And now to talk a little bit about what it kind of means for Hugh and, and his daily walk, um, he's going to take over. I'm trying to be very modern by having it on my phone. That's quite good, isn't it? <laughs> so hello, everyone. I'm Hugh, married to Susie. Um, so yeah, just hold what Susie said in your mind as I share this, this kind of second half. So for me, there are some really big themes of living free because I, I was, I've been a Christian since I was in my teens. Um, but I think um, I had this sense in my faith that it, it was kind of me, um, my kind of short, quiet times, and then maybe chatting to a few people about God. 
you know, if, if, if he could kind of fit that into my day. And actually, living free really, it was like an opening of my eyes. I actually called it kind of kingdom eyes. I could try and see the world through God's eyes, these kingdom eyes, and really know for the first time that I could hear God's voice, like really hear God's voice, that I would be known as his, that I could join with him in his plans, that I could understand the power that raised Jesus from the dead and actually discern how to use that power in my own life, in my everyday life. And that was the thing for me. It wasn't just in the big things. It was in my walking out every day. And actually, I remember the, the kind of, it was like an awe and wonder at really knowing that I was hearing God's voice, that, you know, he was the good shepherd and I was one of, one of his sheep, um, that I was a sheep and not a goat. <laughs> and have, for all of you, have you felt that you've heard the voice of God in your life? Um, perhaps it was to encourage somebody, perhaps it was in original design, when you're sitting listening, to, listening for somebody. And it's such a huge blessing to be able to hear the voice of God. But actually, I quickly, having done the course and kind of was growing in these things of being confident in hearing God, of blessing other people, as I heard for them, I quickly came to realize that actually being a disciple of Jesus, it wasn't kind of going about kind of zapping here, there and everywhere, kind of showing the power of God in kind of what I could do and what I could hear. But actually, it was more about learning how to live within the will of God in my life. And where the rubber really hits the road for me is how obedient am I to the voice of God and the calling of God on me? Did I feel I had the relationship with God that would hear his voice and then obey what he said? Because to be honest, um, being, I suppose, the idea of being a sheep following a shepherd is quite countercultural, sort of uh, this idea, in, in, particularly in the Western world, that we follow somebody, that we follow Jesus, that we're a disciple of somebody, is pretty countercultural. And I think even the word obedience can create a sort of jarring reaction in us sometimes. Um, it can sort of smack of being under somebody's control, even being under the thumb. Um, our experience might be having to obey people in our lives, teachers when we're children or parents. Um, sometimes, you know, the law, bosses at work. I sometimes struggle with the law, even when I'm on my bicycle, perhaps. You know, <laughs> I've got to obey. Paying taxes, you know, all of these sorts of things. And actually, we can equate the idea of obedience to burden, that we've got to be doing something. We're kind of sitting under something. It's something that we have to do. Um, but actually, if you think of those of you who are parents... How much do you try to show your children that actually obeying you is actually for their benefit, that actually you're lifting them up, their well-being, that you're trying to show them and teach them things, that you love them and in your imperfect way, we want the very best for them. But do we believe that about God? You see, to obey God is to put yourself under his care, under his protection, to be under his authority, to be in his family, to join with his culture. It's to kind of know him and love his ways of doing things. Living in obedience to God's word and his voice brings life in all its fullness. It brings peace in hardship and it brings direction in the storms of life. We know that obedience is akin to trust 
faith and belief in the nature and character of God. I think it's very hard to fully know God without obeying him. But then I often flip that the other way around. Perhaps we can't, um, perhaps we can't or won't fully obey him without truly knowing him. And I say this to myself to challenge myself, really, because it can feel like the hardest thing in the world, but actually it's the thing that can bring amazing peace and blessing. So just like the Bonds, we went to, to South Africa this summer. But actually, so I had a, a sabbatical. We literally almost kind of, we were kind of joining together almost in the, over the summer. Um, but for me, I think Chris and Alice shared that actually going to South Africa, it was, it, it's, when we were planning our summer, we were like, actually, the kids were initially like, surely we're going to go back there. And as we were planning it, we were like, oh, I actually really, it felt like a big thing to go back because actually we'd done it five years ago and had an incredible time. But because the society is quite violent and we felt like we had to watch ourselves and three young children, we thought, actually, we really, it felt heavy to go back. And I almost didn't want that kind of, that fear in me to kind of, to be, to be back there. So, so we started making plans and we didn't include South Africa as part of it. And I was kind of aware of myself, maybe that this is a fear thing. Maybe, maybe we should. We kind of worried. We've been on a base with lots of children. And we thought they'll be older. It's been five years. Society is quite violent. And so we planned not to do it. Um, and we actually just started planning a summer. So don't worry, kids. We're just we're going to have a wonderful time. We know it's going to be a holiday this time. And we'll just spend lovely times together. But actually, it got nearer the time. And it's actually Isabel who said to us, surely we can't. We can't have, you can't have nine weeks off holiday, Dad, and not go to South Africa. This is completely ridiculous. So we actually took it back to God and we said, is this just our fear? You know, what, what would obeying you look like? What, you know, what would life in all its fullness for us this summer actually look like in your plans, not in my fear? And actually, the, the answer was a resounding yes, go, you know, go, go. So we felt God's blessing over it and we went and actually, it was the most incredible five-year reunion that you could possibly imagine. They didn't tell the kids that this is again, we'd spent five, um, six months there five years ago. They didn't tell them that we were coming until the morning that we were there. And actually, the joy of being there, and it was the most, the two weeks that we spent there out of our nine weeks of article was, was literally the most uplifting thing, the most spiritually refreshing, the worship we joined in with, the daily devotion, just for the end of our sabbatical, lifted us and blessed the children that we were with and our children lifted their faith. So for me, obeying over fear there just brought such a blessing. But sometimes it's not even when we're seeking the next big plan or kind of seeking guidance of what do I do now, Lord? But sometimes it's a prompt of God or even just in our conscience. Like, what should I be doing in my day-to-day life? And a good example for me is how I use my time. Do I do I just bob along every day, doing my job, kind of essentially living for myself, or am I ready um, to almost be aware of the presence of God in me and his prompts in me to be obeying him kind of day by day? So if God asks me to sacrifice something, do I trust him? Or do I think it's just a bit of a pain and actually I'll be less well off than I was before, maybe even more tired than I would have been if I'd have just done my thing? Um, there was a time once when I, I, I clearly felt in my spirit that God had asked me to wake up early in the morning and walk around the docks praying. 
And actually, for me, I'm not a morning bird at all. Like, I don't know about you, but I struggle to get out of bed in the morning. And, and I felt, I just, I don't know what it was in my spirit. I felt God say, get up at six o'clock, just make yourself a cup of coffee and walk. And it was probably about two months that I didn't do it, basically. I just, every morning I was like, oh, and then I just snooze, carry on. And I thought, I'm just, life's too busy. I can't, six o'clock's too early, so I'm just not going to do it. But actually, the first day I did it, I thought, right, I'm going to do it. I feel all right this morning. Made myself a cup of coffee, walked down to the docks, and it was literally, we lived just here, walked straight down to the, to the water, and there was this young bloke just standing there, appeared to be waiting, so I thought, oh, I'll go up and chat with him. And I just said, hi, I'm Hugh, I'm, I'm Christian, I'd say, hello. <laughs> uh, he didn't look at me like I was too odd, it was quite nice, actually. And uh, I said, oh, what are you up to? He says, oh, he says, I'm, I'm waiting for a lift, I wait here at 6.15 every morning and somebody comes and I go to work. I said, oh, is that, is that good? And he was like, actually, he says, I hate it, he says, I hate this, I hate my job, he says, I'm really... At the end of my tether, it says, stuff's rubbish at home. Like, he was young, he was probably only about 23. And he said, just really struggling. He says, a job I don't want to be doing, just things are pretty miserable. So I said, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, can I, can I just pray for you? He said, actually, that would be amazing. He says, I didn't believe, didn't really. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. And there was literally nobody else around. So I just spent, and amazingly, kind of, his lift was 15 minutes late. So we spent 20 minutes together. And you know what? I never saw that young man ever again. I kind of went round again thinking, he'll be there again. He's going to tell me that he's now wonderful and all this sort of stuff. But that wasn't the point. It was just being obedient in that moment. And, you know, I tried not to stew over all the times that I hadn't done it, if that makes sense, thinking there'd have been a young bloke there every morning for the last two months that I'd missed. That wasn't the point. It was that that morning I obeyed and I was in the will of God at that, at that time. So I think for me, it was starting with small, simple acts of obedience and actually really walking in those, really kind of thinking, I'm hearing God's voice, great, but am I going to do it in these little things step by step? And very quickly, I could see the obvious fruit in doing that and living in that way so you give a bit more. And you sort of say, what is it? What would it look like to live every day and every moment aware of God's presence in me and obeying those small prompts? And at times I blatantly not obeyed. And the only way I can describe it, ironically, is that you feel more on your own, I think, or you feel that things are more your fault, that things are sitting more on you. And actually my reflection is that's more of a burden than the burden of obeying God. Does that make sense? That Life becomes feels more burdensome when you're not in that space of, of, of walking with God. Um, and actually, remember, our, our obedience is opposed. Um, there was a time, and actually it's lovely to see Annie here today, because actually we did quite a lot of talks during Living Free, and we'd occasionally do talks at church. And for probably a good year or so, or maybe two, every time I was due to give a talk, I would feel unbelievably unwell. There were often times when I had like measurable fevers before I gave a talk. And so often I would be like, oh, so sorry, I'm just unwell. I'm unwell, I can't give the talk to them. Probably it's easy to do it by herself or other people would have to step in. And actually it, was a, it took a while, and you probably don't remember, and he prayed for me and, 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 um, and it was like, this is opposed. You talking is opposed because this is the will of God. And 
There was one moment I actually had a fever, and I was due to I was due to talk, and the you know it sounds a bit biblical, isn't it? The fever left, but the fever did leave, and I spoke, and actually, that was it was a wonderful thing because I could then walk in the obedience that I felt that God had for me, and actually, I think part of it was sensing in myself that I had this thing to do, I had to do it. It's really stressful. I'm working full time, and now I've got to give a talk, and I'd feel ill. Do you know what I mean? because I thought this is too much. But actually, ever since that moment, even today, I feel a bit jittery at times, but actually I know that it's God, it's God's thing. Do you see, it's God's thing. I can do a talk and think, I'm not going to build it up into a massive thing. It's God's work. I'll just obey. And actually, it's fine. (laughs) Um, And I thought it's lovely to hear from Hope on Wednesday, because I thought, what a brilliant example brilliant example to see this team of people. Did did that look heavy to you, what they were doing? Did that look heavy? No, it's not heavy. But did they need to respond to the voice of God, the prompts of God to do what they're doing? Yes. So it's, it's a dual thing. This is the way we work with God. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. This will not be heavy. But let's not step back and think it's too heavy. It's not. We step forward in obedience. God's grace is sufficient for us. And it was an amazing reminder with the Hope on Wednesday team that it, 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 it's a blessing. Um, and just finally, sorry, I know I've got to finish at 12, but um, the final thought was, it was the scripture really from 1 Samuel 15. Um, and some of you may know this scripture. Um, it's where... Saul has been specifically told by Samuel, um, as they're defeating their enemy, not to take their sheep, (laughs) basically. Um, He says, I don't want this sacrifice. Don't take their sheep. They're unholy. Leave them where they are. And um, Saul disobeys, takes the sheep, and sacrifices them, in in a way, in the name of the law, but in in a direct um, disobedience to him. And he's kind of a... He's kind of almost justifying himself. But Samuel replies, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Obedience is far better than sacrifice. And it's just really um, that thought that um, don't set up altars for yourself to kind of flay yourself on. (laughs) Or don't do... It's, it's, I suppose, a warning in Scripture to not... You know, the, the life, the life. there is a cost to following Jesus, we know that. But it, the cost is at his calling, um, and he gives grace for us in those moments. That's what I've been describing. So the opposite of that is not to set up things for ourselves that he's not asking us to do, because those things will feel very hard, and they will feel dry. Um, sometimes we're even trying to please God when we actually, it's not things that he's actually asked us to do. Sometimes there is a gritty place where God is teaching us endurance, endurance in prayer or in circumstance, and we know in ourselves that that drives and grows our character. And that's not always pure peace, if that makes sense. We're not always floating about with the flowers, as it were. There is grit in the call of God, and, um, and that grows our character. But I think the more I've grown in that, I'm very aware of the times when 
my spirit's not peaceful because I'm being disobedient and I'm not doing the thing that God's called me to versus being obedient and it being tough in that place because the relationship that God gives us is to help us through a tough place in obedience and in your spirit it's um, it's different if you're disobeying and you're dry. Does that, does that kind of make sense? And I think if I was to encourage one act of obedience, um, first off, is simply spending time with God. Spending time with God. Because it's the most opposed thing in the Christian life is simply spending time with God. And as we spend time with God, we grow. You know, we spend loads of time with God in South Africa and we could feel as a family our faith and our obedience and our trust growing. Um, and you kind of say, well, how? How does that work? It just does. The more time we spend reading his word or meditating on his word um, and in worship, we, we grow and we just, we just know when we're obeying him. I hope that makes sense. It's, a, it's, a, it's, just, it's part of, of relationship. But there'll always be a million other things to do. Just, just make sure you're spending time with God in his word. Right, I think I'll probably leave it there. Persevere. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Give him a clap, Shereen. Yeah. Thank you. That was inspiring. I, I, I'm going to lead us in praying. And which is really a kind of, and the prayer is a, is a yes to the vulnerability and weakness, relief that Susie talked about, and the living in the whole will of God that Hugh talked about. So I'm going to pray along those lines, and if you agree, then you can say amen. Lord, thank you for that, um, that rich inspiration, and uh, to begin with, that Susie talked about uh, celebrating our weaknesses, where we discover God and... and uh, embracing vulnerability. Lord, we say yes to that. We say that we just let our defences down and uh, we open our, open our hands and uh, whether we have experienced it before or not, whether you understand it or not, we pray that you lead us in the way of vulnerability and weakness as individuals, as a community, as a church. We say yes to that Holy Spirit. We recognize that's God's design. And then there's also, as Hugh talked about, um, rather than sort of spattering our week with a few Christian moments, um, this thing of continually giving our whole life over to to God and uh, looking to walk in in, in God's will and everything that we are and do and every way we see. That that holistic um, giving ourselves, everything that we are over to over to Jesus. Again, Lord, we say yes to that. We say that we give you our lives. We give you our, all that we are. We're your, we're your servants. We're your followers. You, Jesus, are our Lord. We are your sheep. You are the shepherd. We'll follow you. And again, Holy Spirit, we pray you lead us in that. Help us on that journey of letting go and, and trusting you and partnering with you in everything and all that we are. Amen. Great. So as always, do feel free to, to, to stick around and pray and chat that through. Any, any more people that you're with or with other people, if, if there's something particularly pertinent that you want to dig into.
Um, this Living Free course that Hugh and Susie mentioned, um, that we're doing our next one of those in February. Uh, so that'll be, and we really recommend that as a, as a, as a great learning for us as a church over time and really encourage everyone to be part of that. Okay, so we'll finish there and uh, do stick around, um, have a chat, have a pray, collect any children and we'll put the chairs and tables away as well.